right, moving on. We are talking about a brand new sermon series. I'm excited about this one because this goes back to the very core of who we are. The series is called DNA, remarkably enough. And here's what we're going to be talking about. It's very basic stuff, but it's very essential stuff. The essentials are the essentials for a reason. This is what we are founded on. So over the next four weeks, we're going to talk today about mission, values, vision, and then strategy. Now, before I get into mission, uh, I need to talk a little bit about this idea of DNA. What amazes me, which never ceases to amaze me, is how can you look at this little guy in the right corner and not believe that there's a God, right? When, I, when uh, Ron and I visited Jimmy and Evie in the hospital, he said, you know, that the baby was there. I was like, how did this happen? And I said, dude, if you don't know that by now, we need to talk. <laughs> but, but seriously, like, you know, you, you look at it, and, and I remember telling him, when my first was born, first, first daughter was born, you know, I was like, oh, wow, you know, there's so much going on. I was kind of overwhelmed. And then you finally get that baby handed to you, and my, my daughter grabbed uh, my finger. You know, her hand came up and grabbed my finger. And you know what got me for, for the God thing? It's like, that's a perfect fingernail in miniature. I don't know why the fingernail was a thing for me, but that was it. It's like at that moment, I knew there's got to be a God and a creator. How could that little tiny fingernail, and oh, by the way, there's nine more just like them. It's amazing. Like, how can this happen? I get what Jimmy was saying. So we've, how can you look at that and not say that there's a creator God? Now, here's the other thing that fascinates me. Little baby Leo has been born with this thing called DNA. He is programmed, pre-programmed, and that DNA is going to determine a lot of things. It's going to determine his eye color. It's going to determine his hair color. It's going to determine how big his nose is or not, right? And to, <laughs> all those kinds of things, right? And, and the other fascinating thing to me about this DNA is it has like a bazillion possibilities. And it's amazing what the body can do. They even have enzymes and other things that will come and repair DNA if it gets broken. Isn't that fascinating? Like when the Psalms say my body is fearfully and wonderfully made, that's what God is talking about. This body is amazing. Like, I dare you to try and create one on your own. It's just not possible, right? So this all fascinates me, and, and it also speaks to something else, though, and, and this is the good news. But there's also a little bit of bad news. Sorry, got to do this, but sometimes that DNA gets broken. And, and this is a reflection of this fallen world we live in as well, because sometimes if that DNA gets broken, uh, it, it should get repaired, but it doesn't always. Now, what breaks the DNA? Well, lots of stuff, lots of chemicals in the air, uh, too much sunshine, uh, maybe it's tobacco smoke, other things. And when that damage gets done that cannot or will not be repaired, that's when we begin to see disease, like cancer, like mutations, uh, things like that. So this DNA that starts perfect doesn't always continue that way. And that is the bad news, unfortunately. But more so than the physical, I want to talk about our spiritual DNA because there's a cycle that we need to talk about. Let's start at the top. There was an original DNA that we were made with. This determined how we looked, how we walked, how we talked. It gave us the capability to restore to, to our, ourselves to wellness. All these things that happened when it was back in the Garden of Eden time. That was the original DNA. That was God's intent for us, to be happy and whole and well and walking in his presence every day. But then there's this thing called the fall with original sin. So original DNA met original sin. And that's when that original DNA got broken. And so we're down at the bottom of the cycle with this broken DNA. And man, wouldn't it be a terrible world if that was where we were left? 
Fortunately, that's not the end of the story when it comes to Jesus Christ, because there's this thing called Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about him. He died on Calvary, uh, came back to life three days later, promises everybody who believes in him eternal life, that guy. Yeah, he's the one who restored that DNA and makes that possible. To me, that's the greatest gift of all, to be returned to the original DNA in which God created us, one that is happy and whole and well. And I'm not talking about prosperity gospel here. I'm talking about deep down in our soul, the way that we were made to be, we can actually be. That sounds like heaven to me. I don't know about you. So let's talk about why this cycle is so influential to Word Serves Mission. And before I get there, does anybody know what Word Serves Mission is? Yes, we made it so complicated. Make disciples. Uh, I forgot to add dot, dot, dot. So that dot, dot, dot was added on purpose. One, because it annoys Liz Boggs. She doesn't like dots. No, I'm just kidding, Liz. (laughs) But meaning, it's an ongoing thing. And there's not one formula that we do to make disciples. There are many ways that we make disciples, and that's what we're going to talk about today because you're going to hear what we're going to talk about, this great commission. You're going to hear about this. You're going to go, Bill, I've heard that a million times. Uh, You probably have. If you've been around church, you've heard this a million times, but don't check out on me because here's what we're going to talk about today. You know what it is. How do you do it? Ooh, that's a good question. So that's where we're going to focus most of our time today is how do we do this and how do we as WordServe, come together to fulfill this great commission. So let's start off in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. These are the words of Jesus himself as he has come back, and this is the last physical words that he gives before he ascends into heaven. So I'm thinking if it's the last thing you say, and you know this is the last thing you're going to say, probably better be pretty important. I can't imagine anything more important. So let's read these words out of Matthew 28, starting at verse 19. This is Jesus talking. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These are the words of God for the people of God. And for these words, we are grateful. This great commission is where Jesus calls us to be a part of this co-mission. What is the mission of WordServe? Make disciples. What's the co-part? Well, we do it together, but more importantly, we do it with him. And if we forget that, that we're going to have some problems. We're going to have some broken spiritual DNA that may or may not fix itself. So here's, uh, I want to walk through a couple things uh, because there's, first, there's a problem with this great mission. See, when we read that and we say, oh, go and make disciples, teach and baptize, oh, that's somebody else. So I'm not a pastor. I haven't been to seminary. I don't know what to say. Like, uh, uh, let, me, let me answer this one just real easy. Uh, yeah, Jesus is talking about all of us, or in Texans, all y'all. Yeah, we're all part of this together, right? Now, you'd be saying, yeah, okay, so you're not a pastor. Great. So you haven't been to seminary. Great. How many of the disciples had either of those qualifications? Uh, answer zero. So if you think about it, is that really the big thing? Is that the main thing, your education? Your title, is that what Jesus is after? No, Jesus is after the everyday people. Uh, That's me. That's us. So don't let your lack of seminary education, don't let your lack of title stand in the way of you participating in the co-mission, the great co-mission. 
So Jesus is talking about us. And, and if you don't believe me, let's jump into Ephesians 4 here for just a second. So Christ gave himself, and, and this is where people tend to say, okay, this is somebody else. Listen to the first part. Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the leader, and the teachers, excuse me. Oh, yeah, so that's who does the Great Commission. Oh, contraire, keep reading. To equip his people for works of service. Now, let me pause right there for just a second. To equip people for works of service. My job as a pastor is to equip you. How am I doing? Don't answer that. <laughs> Hopefully we're doing that well. When we go out to build houses, am I the one building the house? <laughs> Thank God, no, right? Uh, when we serve the community, when we do faithful kids, am I the one that always has to do everything? No, you just saw Nancy Bowman, right? When we do anything compassion-related, is Bill the one that has to do it all? No. Erica has all that umbrella, and she has some great help under her. That's us. That's all y'all. And if you think about why that is so significant, because if it all rests on just me, uh, I got news for you. <laughs> I have limits. And I don't mean like I'm not going to do that. I mean like I have physical limits. I can only go so long. My brain can only hold so much information. In fact, when the sermon's done, I got to dump it so I can get ready for the next one. That's how short my hard drive is, right? So if it was just up to me, we would be very limited in our impact. But take that one thing and multiply it by all the people seating, seating? sitting here. Clearly, English is not in my ram either. So just multiply that by every, everybody, every one of you being a minister in some way in the Great Commission. And then imagine as you talk to someone who would never talk to me, maybe because they don't want to, maybe because I'm not in their circle of influence, but you can reach them and you can speak a language that they will understand and relate to that I can't. And then imagine them talking to their friends and them talking to their friends and just imagine the exponential multiplication and this great commission becomes very possible. I mean, it's almost like Jesus knew what he was talking about when he asked us to be a part of that, right? So to equip people for works of service, and, and by the way, this is one of the reasons I love word serve. Yes, we preach and teach the word, but we always connect that to serving the world. Why do we serve the world? Read on. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure and fullness of Christ. How many of you would like to live in a world where all the people around us are full and mature in the image of Christ? Sign me up, right? Especially during rush hour, right? <laughs> so the reason that we do the service, and I get this, the reason that we do the service is so that people will become mature in Christ. That's the Great Commission. I, can, I could probably count on the number of, uh, I could count on one hand. That's what I was trying to get out. The number of people that have come to Christ because of something eloquent I said. But I could count millions that have come because somebody reached out to them. Somebody served them in some way. And I'll tell you, it's not always building a house. That's one great thing. But there are many other ways. How many of you have the gift of encouragement? Do you know how needed that is? How many of you have the gift of listening? That's not a gift. <laughs> you want to bet? You bet it is. I've, I've run into plenty of non-listeners. I bet you have too. How many of you have the gift of kindness, gentleness, 
all the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you have that that you could offer this world? That is your service. That is your part in the Great Commission. So don't sell yourself short. Seminary is highly overrated. Don't sell yourself. Can we edit that out in case Asbury's walking? No. <laughs> don't sell yourself short. You have a part in this great co-mission with God. He wants you, or he wouldn't have asked. Problem two, it's somewhere else. Well, Bill, the text said, go and make disciples. So that means go like out into the, the deepest, darkest areas of the earth that have never heard of Jesus Christ. Yes, that's true. But it's also true that it's needed here. Now, if you want, to, you want me to Bible geek on you for just a second, the, the verb there in the Greek that says go is not like go away. It's as you go, make disciples. So wherever you go, make disciples. Do you go to work? Make disciples. Do you wake up in the morning and have a family? Make disciples. Do you go to school? Make disciples. You get the idea that wherever we go, we are making disciples? So it's not somewhere else. It's right here. In fact, uh, as I've mentioned before, the Gallup polls, since the first time they've been taking these polls, America is now identifying as less than 50% of a Christian nation. That concerns me because I want to live in that society where everybody is full and has attained the measure of Christ. And if my mission that I have been commissioned by God to do is to make disciples, I'm below average. We're not doing too well, church. And I don't mean just word serve. I mean all the church, the, the, the holy world of all y'all. We're not doing great. And I wonder if it's because we don't feel qualified. I wonder if it's because we don't know what to say. Start with whatever God has put in your heart. I'm, I'm jumping ahead here, but I, I just kind of get passionate about this stuff. Sorry. It's here and there. There is no escaping that. That's what this is. It's right where you are. In fact, there are some nations that have started to send missionaries to guess where? The United States. Ooh, man, that makes me feel a little uncomfortable. So everyone says we should be making a disciple, but nobody's telling me how. I sense your frustration. Never fear. Here we go. All right, so the first one is if you're going to make a disciple, first you've got to become a disciple. Uh, you're saying, duh. <laughs> no, really, think about it. Uh, like, would uh, you go swimming with a lifeguard that has never learned to be a lifeguard? Unless you've got a really good insurance policy. No, right? So become a disciple. Live your life for Christ with the DNA that God gave you. Not everybody's going to be the same. Thank God. Not everybody's going to have the same gifts. Thank God. Not every gift is going to be glamorous. Sometimes you just got to be the big toe. But you know what? Try walking without your big toe. Somebody's got to be the big toe. <laughs> Use whatever DNA God has put in you to serve the world. And if that gift happens to be involved, the gift of gab and talking and, and education and seminary and all that, good for you. But that is not necessary is what I'm telling you today. You are prepared. You are called. You are commissioned by God himself to take part in this great commission. So what's in the dot, dot, dot? When we revamped WordServe's mission statement, anybody remember the old, uh, visions, old mission statement for WordServe? <laughs> it was very long. I heard guiding. That's one of the values. We'll get to that in a week. Hang on to that thought. <laughs> guiding people to grow as joyful servants of Jesus. Now, is there anything wrong with that mission statement? 
No, it's a beautiful mission statement. How do you do that? Like, make disciples, dot, dot, dot. Improvise, adapt, and overcome. That's what I see when I see dot, 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 right? I don't know what I'm going to encounter. I don't know what the right answer is. And by the way, there's not one magic formula that works for every person. Sometimes it's an act of service. Sometimes it's the gift of listening. Sometimes it's a word of encouragement that draws them into that relationship. I don't know what it is, but God does. And God will call us, and we, will, it, we can go if we can listen. If we're willing to listen, he'll show us how to do that thing. And sometimes it's just a drip. You may drip here, and you may see no results ever. But you're not the end of the story when there's a community involved because somebody else will drip, somebody else will drip, somebody else will drip, and before you know it, there's a little leaf. And then some sunshine will come down and some fruit will begin to develop. And what was your part? I don't know. You're a drip. (laughs) No, you you dripped at the right time, right? That's what it's about. Sometimes we get to see the fruit. Sometimes we get to see the harvest. Sometimes we don't. But that does not matter. We are called to sow seed, not reap harvest. It's great when it happens, but that's not our mission. Our mission is to sow the seed to start with. Here's uh, the other piece of this uh, in Ephesians also continuing to talk. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. How many, time, how many people know an expert trash talker? Hang out of the sports field. I mean, come on, anytime you can hear it, right? There's a lot of that going on. There's, a, there's an art to cutting people down. Right? The sharp tongue, the sarcasm, we applaud that sometimes, like, ooh, that's awesome. You can see it on YouTube. Don't Google that. Um, but there's all kinds of ways that we can do that. What if we used our words to build people up? See, there's something that the world needs. There's very few people building. There's lots of people tearing down. Listen to this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice. If we could just do that, what would the world look like? It would immediately look better, would it not? But it's getting better than that. We're not just going to get rid of the bad stuff. We're going to pick up some great stuff. Listen to this one. Be kind and compassionate. How often do you encounter that in the world? Some of the, the most powerful moments of testimony is when you see somebody that's under pressure and that word of encouragement comes to them. Or, or you see that, that person in that, the, the checker in the checkout lane, you're having a rotten day, and they just say, hey, how are you doing? You okay? <laughs> well, now that you ask, how much time do you have? Because no, I'm not okay. But just the idea that someone is looking out for you, someone cared and was kind and compassionate, that little touchstone during that day can change the whole course of your day. And if we have enough of those days, it can change the whole course of your life. That's what I'm talking about. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How many people are experts at forgiveness? Please don't raise your hands. I am not. I I still struggle with that. I'm working on it. Just as Christ God forgave you. This is what we have to offer the world, and it's a wonderful thing. Let's not forget that. Let's never sell that short. So the second one is, After you become a disciple, then you're okay to make disciples. Now, here's what I want to talk about specifically. When it comes to making disciples, make does not equal force. What are you talking about, Bill? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Because 
you thought I was gonna lasso somebody, right? Actually, I learned today that Dub can lasso, and so stand by for the next sermon illustration. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. So it's almost like when, when God created all the stuff, like the Ten Commandments, and gives guidance through the prophets, and all that kind of thing, he's kind of laying this down to say, here is the way, and it is the straight and narrow. And sometimes we think God is just a, a big killjoy. Like, man, I can't have any fun with this guy. He tells me what I can and can't do. But here's the thing. By the way, when you coil rope, make sure there's no knots in it. Because um, then you have to vamp and things come out of your mouth that you may regret later. Anyway, uh, so a lot of times this straight and narrow that we have seems like it's a killjoy, but it's really designed for our best. And parents, if you're a parent, you know this. When you tell your kids what they should do and they should not do, it's not because you're trying to kill their fun, it's because you're trying to make life easy for them. It's the straight way. How easy would it be to climb up the stair with this little rope that you're just gonna walk along, right? But here's what happens in the world. So we get in, into this mess and we go, you know what, I, I know the way to go. God has told me, he gave me the Ten Commandments. But you know what, I wanna go that way. And then somebody else says, well, they went that way. What, why can't I do my thing and go this way? Right? And then when it comes time to make disciples, and this is where we fall short, church, a lot of times we can see what should be, and so we try to help. We try to force this disciples. And, and sometimes it comes across like this, man, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Now, if someone gives you permission to speak into their life, that's okay to say. But if you just walk up to somebody and say you shouldn't be doing that, what's their reaction? Oh, no, you didn't. No, I don't care what you say. I don't know. I'm not going to listen to the thing you say. I don't really care. So here's what it looks like when we try to disciple, when we try to help God by forcing disciples. We go, okay, everybody get together. Come on. This is the way. Come on. Come on. Here. Oh, all right. There's Christianity. Doesn't it look wonderful? Don't you want to be a part of this? <coughs> Nobody wants to be a part of that. I hope you all can see that. So what do we do with that? Well, we don't push from behind. We stand in front and we say, okay, there is a way. His name is Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ was here on earth, he said this. He said, follow me. And right at the end of the Great Commission, I don't know if you heard that, but he's, the last, the very last thing he says is, I am, I am with you surely to the end of the age. So in other words, the same Jesus that is still with us, that once said, follow me, is still saying, follow me. The problem that we sometimes get into when we try to help disciple others is that we come across as trying to be the expert, trying to be perfect, teaching them to obey all things. How many people have a perfect record of obedience? Please don't raise your hands, right? Not me. <laughs> I always love the, yeah. So when we fail, which we will, because we're human, the best lessons sometimes come from a recognition that I have failed. Does that make me incapable of making disciples? Depends on your perspective, but let me give you one. When I fail as a disciple of Christ and I'm attempting to make a disciple of Christ, that is one of the best opportunities I have to teach someone about what forgiveness looks like. When I come to that person, I say, hey man, I let you down, I'm sorry. Can you forgive me for that? And I'm modeling what that looks like. If you have a coach that never makes a mistake, that's too far. I can never reach that standard. But if you have a coach that sometimes makes mistakes and shows you how to work through mistakes, well, see, now I can use that because I make mistakes. How wonderful would that be? So I've got to stop setting myself up as the expert because if I'm here, wherever I am on this, this ladder, and I make a mistake, this is as far as it gets. It never gets 
to the source. So my other role is to say, I am not perfect, but I will walk you through everything that looks like. I will share everything with you if you're ready to hear that. I'll share my ups, my downs, my goods, my bads. But you know what? I'm going to continue to walk this walk. But here's the other most important thing that we got to do. We don't, I am not your savior. We don't point at us. We continually point back at the source. And watch what happens when we continually pass the buck to where it belongs. And give the glory, by the way, is the Christian way to say this. Give the glory where it is deserved. The same Jesus who stood on high came down in amongst the midst of all this and said, come and follow me, still says, follow me. And as we continue to look at him and we continue to follow the path that he lays, this entire tangled mess that was the world that we lived in, the disciples we tried to create, becomes straight. Make the way straight, his word says. This is the path I have laid for you. Walk in it. This is what happens when we keep Christ the main thing. Don't make disciples with force. Make disciples with examples, good and bad. Make disciples by continually pointing to Christ, the only one who can truly show us the way to go. That's how we make disciples. So the lessons learned, don't force it. It's not going to go well for anyone. Don't follow me, but do follow him. Lord, sir, my prayer is that we would seek perfection, but forgive when we're not quite perfect. My hope is that as we look at these backpacks that represent people in our community, we would treat them with kindness, compassion, that we would reach out to them, maybe with just a listening ear. And I say just a listening ear as if that's a, a little gift. That's a huge gift. We encourage them. We point to Christ. We live lives perfectly or imperfectly, but through it all, we are determined to continue to walk in the way that Jesus has led us. We, we still follow him. <clears throat> and who knows, as you live out the DNA that God has given you, gosh, you might even make a disciple or two. I look forward to this adventure with you. I look forward to the conversations that will help you determine where it is that God is calling you in this great commission. I look forward to these seats being filled, some with people who have given up on God, some with people who have never known God, but all who will experience the peace that passes understanding, the love, the joy, the gentleness, the patience, the self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit is available. As long as we partner together in this great co-mission. Who's with me? Now you can show your hands. <laughs> Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we thank you for Jesus Christ and the gift that he has given us on the cross. We thank you for the way that he has laid down. We pray for eyes to see that, courage to follow that, and feet that will fall into the footsteps that you have laid. God, forgive our imperfections, but help us to always seek the path that you laid before us so that we can be a part of this great mission that you have given us to make disciples, dot, dot, dot. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.